Amen. If you have a Bible, turn with in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. That's where we're going to be. Um, one of the places we're going to be this morning. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 28. We'll look specifically um, for a period of time at verses 16 through 20. Here's where we're going this morning as a church. Um, here's where we're going this morning as far as launching into a new series called Move, a three-message series that we're going to do and we start today. Um, for those of you who are fairly new to Living Church, whether this is your first time gathering with us or you've been with us maybe for the summer or whatever, I want you to know that we, this series Move, we revisit a couple times during the year. And the purpose of that is to remind us of what our purpose is as a church, to refresh us on what our mission and vision is as a church. It's pretty important that when you come to be with the church, you understand what the church is all about, you understand what you're jumping into, and you understand where the church is going and where the church is headed. So when we talk about this series move, we answer questions like, how did we get here? And the video pretty much explained it. As far as how we got here as Living Church, where our roots are, where our roots come from. And so we're going to answer questions like how we got here, what we're all about as a church, um, and, and then how we get the job done, this mission and vision that Christ has given his church. So we're going to answer questions like that um, through this series over the next few weeks. Um, for those of you, let me do a little sidebar here. For those of you who may be here and you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Christ, you're not a disciple, you just kind of somehow gathered, came in here today, I don't know how you walked in, maybe you saw, hey, you all spent the night in the hotel, you saw a church was gathering this morning here, and you're just like, let me just walk in and check this out. Maybe you're here because someone invited you. I don't know, but let me just say this, we're glad you're here. We're thrilled you're here. And we want you to know up front that our passion and desire for you is, for, is that you would know Christ. Because we believe that the, the deepest need of every person's heart is the need for them to know Jesus. So we want to be up front with you about that. We don't want to try to try to surprise you with Jesus or sneak Jesus in on you. Or We want you to know up front, straight up, we're all about Jesus. And we want you to know him because we believe that when you come to know him, your life radically changes. Your life becomes that which it was intended to become when God made you. And so we want you to know that up front, all right? So kind of sidebar, let me come back here because most of the time that I'm going to be sharing this morning and the weeks to come is primarily for disciples of Christ, primarily for Christians, for the church. And so where we're going this morning is that my desire for us as the lead pastor of Living Church is that you would fully grasp and understand what our mission is and what our vision is as church. So for some of you, this is going to be very familiar. Um, others of you, this is going to be brand new, things that you've never heard before. So I want you to understand exactly what our mission is as a church, what we're about, and where we're going, and why. So this morning, I want to lay for us kind of a foundation for our mission and vision and showing you where it comes from. And then I want us to look at some implications that are waiting for you when you as the church live this mission. Some things that are there for you, ready and waiting for you when you arrange your life around living this mission that Christ has given to us as the church. So here's our foundation. Here's our mission. The mission of Living Church is this. You'll see it on the screen and you see it in your notes. The mission of Living Church is to be made disciples who are moving out, who make new disciples, who know Christ, live Christ, and make Christ known. And we're going to do that together through the vision of multiplying living communities locally, nationally, and globally. That's a lot. 
right? That's a lot there. But I believe that that is the mission of the church, not just the mission of living church. I believe that's what we see in the first century. I believe that what, what, that is what we've seen all throughout history. We've seen made disciples of Christ, moving out, arranging their lives, living this mission, making new disciples of Christ. And then those gather together to form church communities that multiply. And you and I sit here this morning because of that mission and vision. That's why we're here. That's why Living Church has started. Because we can trace our roots all the way back to that hillside, Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. That's where the roots of Living Church come from. I want you to read that with me. Just follow along as I read Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Jesus has died on the cross. He's come back to life. He's seen several of his disciples. And now he tells those who are closest to him, the 11, hey, meet me on a hillside. I have something very important I want to share with you. And we read about what he shares with them here in verses 16 through 20 of Matthew 28. He says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, or behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Listen, movement begins with mission. Every movement has a mission, and the church is no different. And so Jesus here, to his disciples, gives them the mission, gives the mission of church. And he says this, the mission is this, for you as my disciples, because who's he talking to? He's talking to 11 made disciples. And he's saying, okay, made disciples, here's the mission. I want you to go. I want you to move. And as you move, I want you to go make new disciples. And I want you to baptize those new disciples, and I want you to teach them to obey what I've commanded you. And as you do that, my presence is going to be with you. So the mission of the church is all about making disciples of Jesus. It's all about helping people know who Jesus is, and then equipping them to live Jesus out in daily life, and to make Jesus known. Because as I said, the greatest need of every person's heart is their need to be set free from the prison of sin, and only Jesus provides that freedom. Only Jesus has the key to open the cell and release them from that prison. All right, only him. So we're all about you knowing who Jesus is and helping other people know who Jesus is. And so the mission for us as living church is the same mission the church has had ever since Jesus stood on that hillside with his disciples. is for us to move out, to go as made disciples, moving, making new disciples. And then what we read about in the book of Acts are those new disciples gathering together, forming church communities that multiply. We give them the fancy name called living communities. Right, that's why we that's that's where living communities come from. We didn't come up with the idea. We see it in scripture. We see it in the first century. We're just trying to get on the mission that the church has been on ever since. That's what we're about. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you don't need to turn there. Jesus looks at his disciples in a different conversation with them, and he says, Listen, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, that was local, in Judea and Samaria, that was national and regional, and to the ends of the earth, that was global. So our mission is not just local, it's not just national, it's not just global, it's to reach the nations, Jesus said. That's our mission. So where does our mission come from? It comes from the founder of the church. His name is Jesus. 
Jesus said, I will build my church. He's the builder. He's the founder. So our mission comes from him. He says, hey, church, hey, disciples, I want you to go out, move, make some new disciples. And when you do that, I want you to form some church communities. And as those church communities form, I don't want you to just us four no more. I want you to keep multiplying because as you multiply, the message of me, Jesus, goes out to to the world. That's the mission and the vision that God has given to the church. And it's local, it's national, and it's global. And in the first century, many of the church communities would meet in the homes. You see that in Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Paul, in his letters in Romans chapter 16, at the end of his letter, he says, Hey, Priscilla and Aquila, tell them hi for me and tell the church hi, that the church that meets in their home. And then Colossians 4.15, he references a person named Nympha. I don't know if that's a man or a woman, but it doesn't really matter at this point because he says there was a church meeting in their home. And he said, so the church was meeting in homes in the first century. They would have a meal together, break bread together, and then the churches, they would meet in their homes. They would live this mission that Jesus had given to them. That's the whole foundation for why we're all about living communities. Because it's what we see in the first century church. It's what we see in Scripture. And it has been the means that God has used to spread the gospel ever since Jesus met with his disciples on the hillside. It's been made disciples, moving out, making new disciples, forming these church communities that multiply. And living churches here because of the roots of that mission and vision. That's why we're here. You're here today because someone, as if you're a follower of Christ, told you about Jesus. Well, how did they hear about Jesus? The person that told you, well, someone told them. Well, who told them? Someone. You can trace it all the way back to Matthew 28 when Jesus stand on the hillside. Go, move, make disciples. So the mission is our, that mission from 2,000 years ago, it's our mission as living church. It's our turn. It's our privilege. It's our move. And so that's what our mission is, and that's the foundation of the mission of living church. So I want to share that with you. Why do I share this foundation to kind of lay that down for you? Because it's important for you to know what you're getting in, into when you come and be a part of living church. You need to know we're all about making disciples. We want you to know who Jesus is. And then once you come to know Jesus, we want to equip you to live Jesus out and make Jesus known. And we want you to get connected to a church community that's going to go live that mission together. That's what we're all about. It's important that you know what you're getting into and what to expect when you share life with living church. But there is more. There is more. There's another reason why I want to share the foundation of this mission that God has called us to as living church. Because there are some implications for us, for you as a disciple of Jesus and for us as a church. Some huge implications waiting for us. I so desperately want these things for you. I, as your pastor, I want you to experience what God has waiting for you as you live this mission out. I want to share with you a, a, a quote here from Francis Chan, who is a pastor, who's an author, a church planter. Some of you may be aware of him and his ministry. He says this, if we are not careful, we can spend the rest of our lives justifying why God's power is not seen in our lives. Have you ever been there? I've been there, right? I just don't have time. I'm too busy. I want to see God work in my life. I know God wants to work in my life. Man, I want to see all kinds of crazy things that only God can do in my life. But, and so we, we kind of justify why we're not seeing it. And then Jeff Iorg, who is a, a seminary president, who wrote a great book entitled Live Like a Missionary, which I would highly recommend that book, Live Like a Missionary. He says this, he, say, he says, inside you is a longing to live more intentionally connected to God's mission to get the gospel to as many people as possible. 
A missionary heart beats within you. Listen, if you are a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, you are a missionary. You are. Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, As the Father has sent me, so now send I you. You are on a mission as a follower of Jesus. You have been given the mission. So your mission field is your street. Your mission field is your job. Your mission field is a little area where you work. Your mission field is your campus, your school, your home. You're a missionary. God has given you a mission as a follower of Jesus. And inside you, I believe, as a Jesus follower, there's this longing where you really want to see God move. You really want to see God use you to do something great for the kingdom. And then Francis Chan has this to say, another quote, he says, if you want to see the big stuff that God has, you've got to take some risk and trust only in the gospel. If you want to see the big stuff that God has, you've got to take some risk and trust only in the gospel. You see, I think there's a problem, and, the, and, and it's a problem that many of us experience as followers of Christ. You see, many of us want to experience the presence of Christ in our lives. We want to notice it. If you want to experience the explosion of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, and you want to see the gospel transform lives, I believe you want that. I mean, we read about the amazing stories in Scripture, right? We read about the amazing first century disciples and how, you know, they're in prison. The disciples are in prison and an angel shows up and sets them free from prison and people are going crazy. We read stories of how they're having a prayer meeting and God shows up and shakes the rafters. We see, we read about stories of guys who are terrorists who are persecuting the church, who actually God shows up and now those terrorists become missionaries for the gospel. I mean, we read stories like that and don't you want to jump into that? I want, I want, don't you want to be involved in a story like that? I mean, I do. I want to be in that. And, I mean, we read those stories, and they're filled with adventure, risk, the supernatural. I believe there's something inside us that wants to be part of that if, as followers of Christ. I mean, I hope you want to see God move in your life like that. I mean, we want that kind of story. I want that kind of story for you. I want it for you. I so desperately do. But if we're honest, we'd like the story without the risk. We'd like the story without the suffering. I'm right there. Dude, give me Jesus showing up, but don't get me thrown into prison. Jesus, show up, but don't get me to prison, and don't hurt me. Please. We want the amazing Jesus story, but we don't want the risk. We don't want the suffering. So although we want the story, we don't make the move or moves necessary or take the risk to get it. But the reality is amazing Jesus stories like we read about in Scripture always involve Jesus showing up. Right? They always involve God showing up in some crazy, amazing way. But the reality is this, listen, if you and I live in a way where we don't need him to show up, why would he? We many times settle for that. I settle for that. And yet we still wonder why we don't experience the presence of Christ, see the power of the Holy Spirit, and see the gospel transform lives. We want to see God move, but oftentimes we're not moving our lives in a way to see him move. So what do we do? What do we do? 
There is a solution. Hallelujah. There is a solution to this. I believe if you want to notice the presence of Christ in your life, then you want to see the power of the Holy Spirit explode in your life, and you want to see Jesus transform your street, transform your city, transform your workplace, there is a solution. And the solution is that you and I arrange our lives around the mission of making disciples. Because implied in this mission, implied in this mission are some amazing big stuff kind of things waiting for you and waiting for us as a church. But one of the things that we see implied when we live this mission is right here in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. One of the things that's implied when you and I arrange our lives around making disciples is the promise of the presence of Christ. The promise of the presence of Christ. What does Jesus say in verse 20 of Matthew chapter 28? He says, And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely, or behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus is looking at his made disciples, and he says, Go make disciples to all the nations, and as you move out and live that mission, I promise you this, I will be with you. My presence goes with you when you live this mission out. He promises his presence. And in a sense, he's saying, look, take notice of this. Be sure of this, that I am with you always. To the very end of the age, and and literally that means to the consummation of all things, to completion. So Jesus is saying, listen, as you as a follower of me go out and live this mission, I will be with you always till it's done. So the mission is complete. He's promising his presence with us. And we can apply this individually. So when you move to that cubicle next door to you and you're in your workplace and you're like, you know what, God just laying on my heart and can I take you out to lunch and just hear what's going on and can I just pray with you? Who's there with you? Jesus is there with you. But if you never make the move, you don't see Jesus show up because you're not making a move to see him show up. Or when you walk across the street and you take that meal to that neighbor that you know is hurting, Jesus promises presence with you. When you as a living community go and you have that neighborhood cookout or whatever you're doing, and their intent is to show people Jesus, the presence of Christ is with you as you live this mission out. Some of us are aware of Stephen, known as the first martyr of the church in the first century. We read about his story in Acts chapter 7. Basically, um, if you read this, it's a pretty amazing story. He gets in the grill of the religious leaders of the day, and he just basically says, you guys all killed Jesus. You're murderers. You all need Jesus. I mean, he just, I mean, he's not like trying to come into the side door or the back door. He just blows up the door and says, y'all need Jesus. Right? And gets in their face and says, you, you're sinners. You killed them and all this. Well, they don't like it. Obviously, it says they gnash their teeth. You can read about in Acts chapter 7. And they start stoning him to death. They just start throwing stones at him. And what's it say next? That in the midst of his suffering, as he's living this mission, he looks up and he sees Christ standing there at the right hand of God. Listen, don't, I don't want you to hear that living the mission won't involve suffering. It will. It will involve suffering. It might look different than what we read about in the New Testament. It might look different than maybe what we're seeing on television. But it will involve suffering. But it's in those moments of suffering that you will experience and notice the presence of Christ with you as you live the mission. Oftentimes, it's in those suffering moments when we notice the presence of Christ. We're more aware of it. And as you live this mission, and it may involve making some moves, taking some risks, some big, some small, whatever you, however you define it, but in those moments of suffering, that's when you experience or you notice the very presence of Christ with you as you're living his mission out. But oftentimes, here's how we do it. 
It's kind of like their kids at times when they've been in the pool and their kids didn't know how to swim, right? And they stand on the edge, and, and I'm maybe there right there, and I'm and the kids are like, Daddy, catch me. Make sure you catch me when I jump in because they don't, wanna, don't know how to swim. And they're like, catch me. I'm like, I promise I'll catch you. Just jump. I'll catch you. Like, you promise. You promise. I promise. I'll catch you. No, you sure? You know, and they're doing all this whole thing back when you're like, just jump. All right, please, just jump. I will catch you, I promise. But instead of jumping or leaping, what do they do? Imagine this with me. Go with me on this. They go, they get their swimmies on. And they step back up. I'm going to jump, I'm going to jump, okay? I'm like, yeah, I'll catch you, I promise. Dad, just a second. Got the swimmies on, go put the life jacket on. Come on, jump, I'm right here. They go back, they put the little inflatable turtle around them. All right, they got that thing, they're grabbing the water noodle. Right, they're going and pulling off the lifesaver thing from the pool. They got it all around them, and now they're like, okay, I'm ready now, Dad. I'm ready. You promise you'll catch me? And I'm going, I promise I'll catch you. And instead of taking the risk, instead of leaping, they walk around the pool and walk in. Was I always there? Absolutely. Never left. But did they get to experience me grabbing them in that moment of risk? No. No, it's sometimes when we're willing to jump and make the move to live this mission, to arrange our lives on this mission, that you experience and you notice the presence of Christ like never before. And I so desperately want that for you, and I want that for us as a church. Implied in living this mission out is you and me as followers of Christ experiencing and noticing the presence of Christ. So if you're begging to notice the presence of Christ in your life, live the mission of making disciples. Also implied in living this mission for us is the promise of the power of the Holy Spirit. If you go over to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. So as we live this mission, waiting for us is, is the presence of Christ as we live this mission of making disciples. But there's more. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What's he promising? He's saying, listen, as you move out on this mission, I'm giving you the power of my Holy Spirit. Now, the New Testament was written in a Greek language, and so if we take that word power and we translate it, get our English word from it, literally we get our word dynamite. So, so Jesus is like, I'm going to send you some serious dynamite from heaven that's going to explode people's hearts open, and it's going to make them all new again the way they were intended to be. I'm, I'm going to give it to you. And I'm promising that you will experience that when you live this mission out. Days earlier, Jesus had told them to wait to launch this Making Disciple mission till they had this dynamite, till they had this power. But he said, once you get it, look out. Because as you have the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to go and he cuts them loose. And what happens? They change the world. Acts chapter 17, the, the non-church people, the, the non-Christians, they're looking at these people going, these people are turning the world upside down. That was how they described the church. And Jesus says, listen, when you live this mission out, when you arrange your life about making disciples, about pointing people to know Christ, live Christ, make Christ known, you will experience the power of the Holy Spirit. You will experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, what's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? John chapter 15, John chapter 16, the primary function of the Holy Spirit is to make much of Jesus. Not himself but to make much of Jesus. Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit. He will come and he will testify about me. He will glorify me. He will guide you into the truth that I have told you. The primary role of the Holy Spirit is to make much of Jesus Christ. So it's 
possible that you and I aren't seeing the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives because we're not making much of Jesus. The Holy Spirit's job is to show people Jesus. That's his job. But we don't need the Spirit to show up if we're not doing what the Spirit was sent to do. He's there. When was the last time you had a conversation about Jesus with someone who needs Jesus? I mean, I was begging for that a couple months ago. God was just pricking my heart on that and saying, man, I really want that. So I was praying one morning, God, I want to have a conversation with someone that needs Jesus. And so that day I had some meetings down here in Covington. I thought I'd stop by the new coffee shop until those meetings were over and and, and, or, and it started, or I don't know when it was, but it was someday, sometime that afternoon, and I go over to this Monkey Blue Cafe just down the block. Never been there before. Walk in. Her name is Joy. The barista. She uh, runs the joint. She runs the, the shop. So I get talking to her a little bit, and after about five minutes, maybe she is sharing me, sharing with me her story of how her, her, her sister has cancer, stage four, it's gone in remission, come back, and all this stuff. And stuff. We probably, I probably talked to her for an hour and a half nonstop about life. About She's asking me, so how do you explain all this, this stuff in the world that's going on? It's not getting better. Why is that? I'm able to talk to her about sin. I'm able to talk about hell and the judgment for our sin. I'm able to point her to Christ. Did I walk in there with my little script and say, all right, here at point A, I need to talk about this. No, I just pray to God. I want an opportunity to talk to somebody about Jesus. I show up. I listen. She's just sharing her life with me. I'm telling her about Jesus. When that conversation is over, I'm driving home, and I'm like, it just hit me. I'm like, wow, that was awesome. That was incredible. And I'm looking back on that conversation and all those different things that came out of my mouth, and I'm like, I have no idea where those came from. I do. But it's the power of the Holy Spirit that I was experiencing as I was talking to her about Jesus. If you want to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you want to notice the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, start talking to people about Jesus because that's the job of the Holy Spirit. That's his job. And I want you to experience that. I want us to experience that as a church. If we want to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, then we need to be about arranging our lives on this mission of making disciples. But there's more. You want to experience the presence of Christ in your life? You want to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Start making disciples. Start talking to people about Jesus. Guarantee you, they will show up. They will show up, but there's more. Go to Romans chapter 1. Just a few pages over. Romans chapter 1. Romans was simply a letter that Paul wrote to a group of Christians living in the city of Rome at the time. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. He's talking to them. He starts out his letter. Man, I'm so thankful that God gave me the opportunity to talk to you about Jesus, to share the gospel with you. And then in verse 16 and 17 of chapter 1, this is what he says. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it, the gospel, is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. You see where Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power, dynamite word again, same word, same word. God said, listen, I've given you this dynamite, this thing that's going to radically transform people's lives, rescue them from hell, reconcile them back to me, free them from their sin. You have it. It's called the gospel. And then in verse 17, he says, for in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. You see, the message of the gospel is this. Listen, that there's a righteousness 
from God available to you and available to me that we cannot earn on our own, but we can receive it. It's this righteousness from God that rescues you and me from our sin, forgives us of our sin, makes us right with God forever, and brings us into relationship with God forever. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And it's received by faith by looking to Christ's death and his resurrection as the substitute, as your substitute, that you deserve for your sin against God. And Paul is saying, listen, this gospel message that we have as the church, that I've been given and I've been called to share with people, it is powerful. It's actually the power of God. That's what he says. You want to know why Paul saw the power of God all the time? I mean, we read it. Don't you read about it in the book of Acts? You're like, this dude was crazy. Man, he saw Jesus show up all the stinking time. Why? Because he was all the stinking time sh- sharing the gospel with people. He was telling people about Jesus. And when you start sharing the gospel and you start talking to people about Jesus, he shows up. He shows up. And so if you and I, it's no different for us. The gospel is the dynamite of God that blows up your heart. It shows you your sin, and it shows your need for Jesus. But then it's also that dynamite that kind of recreates your heart, brings you into relationship with God, and makes you new the way God intended. That's the gospel. It does that. And we have that message, church. We've been given it. You've received it. You're here this morning. If you're here to follow Christ, don't forget that that gospel is what has changed your life. And there are thousands, millions of other people that need that same gospel to change their life. And you've been given the privilege, I've been given the privilege to share that with them. And when we do, the power of God shows up because it, the gospel, is the power of God. And so if you want to experience the power of God in your life, then start telling people the gospel. Start telling them that they can't earn righteousness on their own, but they can receive it because Christ has provided it for them through his death and resurrection on the cross. Start telling people that message. Start showing people that message, and you'll see the power of God show up. But there's more. There's more. So check this out. So as we live this mission, we notice the presence of Christ like we want. We experience the power of the Holy Spirit like we desire, and we see the power of God and the gospel change lives. Absolutely. All as we live this mission, but there's more. Go to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 2, another letter that Paul wrote to a group of Christians living in a city in Greece called Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He says this. He's writing this letter to them. It's been a while since he's been able to talk to them or see them. He says, but brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again. But Satan got in the way. He stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. And he said the same thing to the Philippian church. He said, you are my joy and my crown, he said. Think about that for a moment. Think about what Paul's saying. One pastor said this. He said, all you're going to be able to show God one day is people. That's it. When you stand before Christ, all you're going to be able to show him are other people. That's it. And I think that's Paul's point. He's like, I can't wait till Jesus comes back. Because there's going to be a sweet, awesome, crazy party going on in his honor. 
and I'm going to get to be there, and it's going to be off the chain. I mean, it's going to be sweet. This party in heaven for Jesus is going to be ridiculous. It's going to be so cool, and I cannot wait for it because you're going to get to celebrate that party with me. <laughs> that is awesome. I can't wait that not only do I get to experience this party in the presence of Jesus, but you get to experience the party in the presence of Jesus with me because God allowed me the privilege to make you a disciple of Jesus. And he's like, I get to I get to hang out with you in, in heaven. I get to we get to celebrate Jesus together, and that thought just brings me great, incredible joy. In essence, I think Paul's saying my greatest reward from Christ is the privilege of being able to make another disciple of Christ. That was his joy. And so, listen, we cannot shy away from the tough questions. So I want to ask you a question as I ask me a question. When you stand before the presence of Christ someday, who do you have to show? Who do I have to show? We have to ask that question, and we have to answer that question. And many of you do. You are living your lives on mission and telling people about Christ, and so keep at it. But we have to ask that question. We cannot shy away from it because... <laughs> In a unique kind of way, our joy in the presence of Christ, obviously it's Jesus. But there's a sense of like, man, we're going to get to party with Jesus, and we want these people that we love, that we've been able to make disciples, we want them to enjoy that party with us. And so waiting for us is a sense of joy from knowing that we have the privilege of making disciples of Christ. I mean, so, so if we wrap all this up, if we wrap this mission up, implied in this mission and vision for us as a church, Implied in it for you as you live this mission and as we live it together as the church is the promise of Christ's presence, is the promise of God's power through His Spirit, is the promise of the power of God in the gospel, and the promise of joy for you and me in the presence of Christ. And it's all there. It's yours for the taking as we live this mission out together, this mission of making disciples who know Christ with Christ and make Christ known. Another quote from Mr. Chan, I think he said it best, he summed it up best. He said, if you want to experience God, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Do it. If you want to look like Jesus, do what Jesus did. What did he do? He made disciples. Right? He made disciples. And the implications for us from living this mission are huge. They're huge. And it takes, listen, when, it, when you make a disciple, you can't make a disciple without the presence of Christ. You can't make a disciple without the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can't make a disciple without the gospel. So when you're making a disciple, you need all those things to make a disciple. So that's why they show up. Because that's what it takes to make a disciple. And it's all there waiting for us. All of us. And so making disciples demands that Jesus shows up because you and I can't do this apart from him. It's his work that demands his presence, his spirit, his gospel. And then it, the gospel just blows me away because it's kind of like, it, not only does it awesomely change your life, but wrapped up as you share it are the very things that you and I long for in our walk with Christ. His presence, his power of his spirit, the power of God in the gospel, seeing God change, change lives and the joy that comes from living on mission. It's all there for you and all there for me as we live the mission out together. Last night I was putting the girls to bed, and we have this book um, called Hero Tales. And we read, at times we'll read some of these stories of, um, of Christians like you and me, you know, just basically living their lives on mission, 
and we'll read this to, to, to uh, kids at times. They'll ask for it. So last time I'm reading the story of William Tyndale. I don't know if you know the story of William Tyndale. William Tyndale was a tutor. He went to a person's home, and he tutored two boys in, their, in, a nobil, in a noble's home. That was his job. But as he was doing that, he realized, you know what? The, the, the common people, they, they weren't allowed to read the Bible in their own language. or It, it, it was all in Latin. It was not in the English language. And that frustrated William Tyndale to the point where he was like, we've got to change this. We've got to change this. So he set out to print the Bible in the English language so the people, the common people, could read it. And I'm reading that last night, and I'm reading the stories. I'm reading how God showed up. I'm reading how he saw the power of the Holy Spirit move like crazy. I'm reading all that stuff, and I'm going, that's it. I want to be here. I, I want to be a hero tale. Right? I, I, and I think you do, too. And some of you are, and we want this. And all that he did was just arrange his life around living the mission no different than you and me. No different than you and me. He just said, I just want people to know Christ. And I'm going to arrange my life in a way so that people can come to know Christ. And then I'm going to help them live Christ. And I'm going to come alongside them and help them make Christ known. And as a result, you and I just read a book in the English language because of that dude. He just said, I just want to arrange my life on mission. Listen, if you're here and you want to experience and notice the presence of Christ in your life, you want to see the power of God to explosive, the power of the Spirit to explosive things through you, you want to see the gospel change your city, change your street, change your workplace, change you, you want to see all that happen, and you want to have a joy that's crazy like you've never experienced before, as you do it, make disciples. Make disciples. Listen, we're not doing anything different than the church has already been doing. We just need to keep moving. It's our turn. It's your turn. It's our move. It's your move. What moves would you make this week to arrange your life to live the mission of making disciples? God, thank you so much for meeting with us this morning. God, help us to be a church that's on the move, a church that's about making disciples. And we understand that we cannot move, we cannot live this mission without you because it demands your presence, it demands the power of your Holy Spirit, it demands your gospel. And so I pray that you would help us right now, whatever that next move looks like for each of us, I pray that we would do it. We would take, we would take the jump and we would make the move. And as we do, we, we promise that we would experience your presence as we do. So I pray, God, that you would help us be a church on mission. Be a church that's about pointing people to you, Lord Jesus. And may you use us to live this mission, sharing your gospel, not to make a name for ourselves, but to make a name for you. And it's in your name, Lord Jesus, we pray.